Hello, everyone. My name is Justice, and I am here with... My name is Dave, and I'm the uh, head of marketing here at 24-7 Teach. And Dialio Diggs, I'm a chief financial officer for 247 Teach. Oh, yes, and I am the CEO of 24-7 Teach. So we're here today, and this is our podcast. Education is broken, and we are here to fix it. This is our second episode, and today we have our very accomplished CFO, Dialio Diggs, with us. And today we're also going to talk about project-based learning. And why is it the most effective and the most equitable form of instruction out there? So what do you think, David? Why is that? Uh, I think it's, um, I think first, for anyone listening in who maybe doesn't, isn't aware of what project-based learning is, I think it's, uh, it's probably good to define it because there's so many different variations of what people can interpret as project-based learning. Um, so yeah, I mean, for us, it's it's anything which is a a method of learning which takes place over a period of time and often is looking at solving a problem or, or sort of finding an answer to to and, and providing a solution. Would you say that's uh, accurate? I would. Um, I think too. It it really um, it's a different kind of way of learning. Um, me and uh, Justice and I have always talked about how, you know, this, this traditional model of, of kids sitting in front of a blackboard and, and, you know, reading books and taking tests doesn't really prepare them for the, the modern world and the way things change and the dynamic nature of the skills you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of, one of the big holes um, in the traditional learning method is it does, it's not based around skills, it's based around knowledge. Um, so one of the, the key things that project-based learning um, and any experience-based learning can do is, is put people in a situation where they have to learn skills. Um, in order to complete the experience, you're going to gain, you, you are going to gain skills um, that are going to be useful for you going forward. Yeah, and I would, I would also add that traditional project-based learning from an instructional design standpoint is also called problem-based learning. And with 24-7 Teach, we look at it a little differently. We look at it as opportunity-based learning to where we, we give opportunities for learners to gain skills and gain practical experience, as well as create a tangible outcome that they, that they can show and prove what they've learned and what they've essentially accomplished. Yeah, I think that's uh, that pretty much sums it up. Um, so again, I get going back to your original question, Justice, as to why do we uh, why do we think this is the future? Um, and I think it's quite it's something which Dialio touched on right at the beginning. There, it as we mentioned back in the first episode, we I strongly believe that we're on on the brink of a, of a crisis when it comes to the children right now and, and our, the future generations, because school right now isn't preparing them for the world which they're gonna inherit. You know, a lot of the jobs which school is currently preparing children for uh, are gonna be replaced by computers, by AI, by machine learning, robots, whatever it may be. And project-based learning really does give learners the ability to start thinking critically and, and solving problems in a way which the traditional learning methods just don't do. 
you know, read, write, and remember to pass a test is great if you want to pass a test. But what if a problem arises in life which can't be fixed by a test? It has to be fixed by action, by a plan, by execution. And that's really where project-based learning is teaching skills, which, uh, which right now traditional schooling methods are ignoring. I would definitely agree. And for us here, and I can only speak to us as an organization, we take it one step further where it's not just about skills, but it's also about the habits that can be developed through project-based learning and doing it over a period of time. So our focus within our curriculum is what we call habits-based learning to where learners, they, we, we focus on specific habits that will make them successful regardless of the situation that they're in. And I think that's what you're speaking to, David, to where they're prepared for anything. So quite frankly, we don't know what jobs will exist 10 years from now and what jobs will not exist, but we still have to prepare learners to have the skill sets, but also have the general habits and disciplines to stand out amongst the crowd. Because for, for me, in my opinion, success is really based on discipline. The discipline that you bring to any situation will allow you to gain the skills, gain the knowledge, gain what you need to accomplish the goal. And that is our ultimate, our ultimate objective when it comes to our curriculum and what we provide learners and through our experiences. So I, I think that's important. I think it's critical. I think one of the, the big things I run into whenever I teach students um, is the disconnect between what they're learning and how they see it can affect their life. Um, and when you approach learning from the perspective that I'm trying to, you know, going back, I'm trying to create an opportunity for myself, um, you, you approach it from um, a manner of more passion. It, it means more to the students. It, it makes them want to get engaged and want to get engulfed. Like if you want to be a journalist, if you want to, um, you know, grow your own food, um, these are things that students can connect with and, and provide energy to, and, and those make the best learning experiences um, when students want to learn. Um, memorizing things. Um, I have students now, one of the, the funniest things to me is that um, we teach, um, students are still required to know how to multiply, you know, at least up to 12 in their head, right? Um, and for most students, this is, like, for most modern students, this is, like, a useless skill. They have 10 devices at their fingertips that can multiply for them, right? Um, but for us to teach them that, we have to get them engaged and make them believe that it's important on some level when it's really not. Um, but <laughs> if, if, if they can understand, right, the what experience may be where that might be useful, and maybe I could provide them an experience that, um, you know, they had to use that, um, you know, maybe thinking of a, a quick business uh, idea on the fly or, or being able to analyze something quickly, then they'd be able to connect to it, I guess, a little better. Um, and, and that's one of the big advantages I see for project-based learning is I, I'm, at least with my students, I'm able to engage them a lot better um, when I'm able to tie it to an experience and make them learn through the experience. Yeah, I mean, that was that was always something which I struggled with uh, at school was, you know, for example, learning Pythagoras' theorem, just going, when am I ever going to need this? You know, there's literally, <laughs> no, and it still hasn't happened now, you know, 
20 <laughs> years later. I've still not needed to know it. Um, and I think, you know, coming on to, that probably leads on quite nicely to the question, you know, why isn't PBL used in schools right now? Or, or, I know some schools do have certain programs and certain projects which, you know, they sort of dance with the idea of PBL. However, you know, what's stopping schools from fully embracing a PBL method? Wow, that is a, a great question. It's it's complex. So it's it's very time intensive. There's a lot of thought that has to go into it. And the teaching practice is very different from what you will see in the traditional classroom and what traditional teachers are trained on, really. It takes a lot of the heavy lifting of learning and instruction out of, well, it takes the heavy lifting out of the teacher's hand and really puts it onto the students. And for a lot of educators, that's a very different paradigm shift. And they're not prepared for that. So I think that's that's number one. Number two, teachers are held to a very strict timeline in terms of what they have to teach, when they have to teach it, and are their kids ready for the test? So when it comes to freedom and the ability to interject certain problems, I would, and this is really a rough guess, I would say at least 70% of teachers don't have that opportunity to do that. And I would also say at least 80% of teachers don't necessarily have the training or the ability to put a full project together that is, is really going to be a great learning experience for students. So number one, it's a lack of time, it's a lack of training, and it's a lack of potential support in, in, in structure in the schools. So it's, it's the most effective and the most equitable form of instruction, but is, it is the hardest to implement in terms of the way schools are structured today. So that's, that's definitely something important to know. But the, the big question for us as an organization, how do we fix that? How do we remove those barriers? Yeah, I, I totally do? agree. Yeah, I totally agree, Jess. I think you you hit on the, the big problems with the system, right? The the first part is the teachers. They don't train the teachers to work into a, in a system um, that provides project-based learning. So the it's new to them. Um, the other aspect is the system itself. The, the education system in America moves very slowly because it's largely government-backed. And because of that, we have all these, these interested parties that are tied to you know, printing up these books and, and making these tests and holding people accountable based on these tests that have literally no correlation to real life. Um, and because of that, you know, we're now seeing the break. We're now seeing how students and parents are disengaged because they're the other aspect. They're the most important aspect of, of, of what we're talking about. Um, and the students and parents, though, the amazing thing are writing. Um, it's the system and um, the model that's not ready. But I think that's one of the, the important things and one of the things that really drove me um, to be a part of this company is the, the ability and the idea that it has to change. And, and by us pushing that change and moving towards a direction to where we provide the education that students actually need um, is a more fruitful outcome for us, the students, um, and, and the whole system. Uh, hopefully one day, 
you know, we'll move out of this decentralized system where students have to learn, you know, the Pythagorean theorem when they may never need it, right? But if you want to be an engineer, you may need it. So, like, there, we have to be able to show, you know, be able to move people in the direction of their passions as opposed to everybody has to learn the Pythagorean theorem. For what? I guess this this leads on to the the general issue with the standardized testing model within within education right now and how we are trying to measure thousands and millions of of individuals all against one same test and fundamentally that's that's a problem um it, it's 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 a it's a flawed system in its by its very nature and I think, I mean, again, I'm speaking from maybe a UK standpoint. And again, uh, for anyone listening, I'm from the UK. So my understanding of the US system is is kind of limited. Uh, I'm doing my best to learn. Um, but for, in the UK, it seems very much like education is treated like a business. Um, you know, schools are judged by the percentage of, a star to C grades uh, that they get of, for example, the percentage of high SAT scores that they generate. And that then determines how successful they are seen as, as, a, as an institution and therefore how many people will apply in, in, in the next few years to, to join that school. It all just seems like they're chasing these, these paper results uh, for their own benefit and not necessarily what is for the benefit of the student. Does that make sense? It does. No, I mean, if, if, well, I'll put it to you this way. If you look at it from an organizational standpoint and a large organizational standpoint, it's about scale, right? So it's the, it's the reason why multiple choice tests are popular versus open-ended questions. Open-ended questions probably provide the, the, the best or the greatest learning experience but it takes the most time to grade and it requires the most resources to grade versus a multiple choice test. I mean, a computer can do it basically. It's automated and it can be done. You can grade thousands of tests within an hour versus one or two tests within an hour. So when you look at it from that standpoint, standardized tests, that include multiple choice is probably the best way to go. But for me, I think standardized tests are not going anywhere. There, there are plenty of professions in the world that require you to have to take a standardized test before you can be certified and actually work in that profession. That's okay. You know, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily knock that. But what I will say is, what are we testing the students on? Right. And what we're evaluating them on is really that's where the paradigm shift has to has to change. So as an example, how many people do you know have a problem with time management? Where they don't show up on time. <laughs> <Not> too many. <laughs> they don't show up on time. They don't complete assignments on time. They wait. They wait to the last minute to complete stuff. And it's not necessarily. It, always allowing them to give their best. Now, from a discipline standpoint, if we were testing time management versus if you knew this particular equation in algebra that you may or may not use, what do you think would be more helpful for 
a, a learner in their professional career? Which one do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously for me, time management, that's the one which is going to, you know, show up in more opportunities throughout their life uh, than the other. So, you know, you would think, you would think really looking at it that you, as a school, to give your learner the best educational experience possible, you would be testing them on their time management skills and consistently developing that as a great habit versus, excuse me, do they know this particular type of information? So that, that to me is, is where testing needs to go. I think testing is, is obviously important because people need to know where they stand at a given moment, but how it's looked at is that's where the paradigm shift needs to take place, how it's looked at and what exactly are we testing? And so how it's looked at, it should not be, I mean, really it should not have any determinant on a grade. It should be, okay, this is where you're at and this is where we need to go to get you to this place. But it shouldn't be just because you didn't reach this mark here, you are labeled as this you're labeled as an F. So I think that's, you know, those two areas are where things need to change. And that's the work that we have to do as an organization to change it. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree and disagree. I um, only disagree on the standardized test. And, and uh, for the listeners out there, I've been teaching uh, standardized test prep probably for the last 10 years. <laughs> so um, it's probably going to be strange for me, but I think they're they're becoming obsolete. Um, I think just because, like you said, uh, being able to, to fill in bubbles and uh, pick the right answer in a multiple choice is a game. Um, the, the really only thing they test is your ability to take that test. Um, the correlation to how well you're going to do in college, how well you're going to do in law school, how well you're going to do in in any of these, uh, I guess, matriculation-based tests is, is not direct. Um, there are other ways to see that. And like, and like you said, um, for, for certain things, skills are way more important than do I know A, B, C, or D. So how do we test skills, right? We have to look at how do we evaluate these things. And maybe when we say test, it doesn't mean the same thing that it used to mean. Um, and maybe when we say evaluation, it doesn't mean the same thing that it used to mean. So I think part of the, the the development we have to do as a system is to be able to capture these skills, to be able to show, yes, this person has these skills. And I think that's one of the very creative things we're doing as an organization is really focusing on how do we quantify these skills and pick them up in different ways. You may, we may not, you may not have a test. You may do a presentation. You may, you know, um, actually solve a problem. You may, you know, demonstrate the skill in a different way and in multiple iterations, the combination of these things will show, yes, I have these skills. So I, I, I think in looking at the test and looking how, you know, we are basically based on the standardized testing system, but that's only because we set up the education system based on a knowledge-based system as opposed to a skill-based system. And as we move to a skill-based system, um, we have to change the learning model and, and that's where we get back to project-based learning being an experience that will really teach you a skill. 
I think that's it. I think when we look at project-based learning and just the very nature of it, it it, it really does stand to, to solve two things. Firstly, equals the playing field. You know, it allows individuals to all do well with their own interpretation, their own uh, their own answer to the project problem, rather than it being black and white, standardized test, it's right or wrong. PBL lets uh, lets students really, you know, think outside the box and, and solve problems in their own unique way. I think second to that as well, it it it's definitely serves to eliminate learning classifications because it's allowing, like I said, it's allowing the individual to to shine in a learning method which speaks to them. So if you're if you're a type of learner which learns by reading, you're automatically right now going to do so much better in the traditional school system than someone who learns by doing. And I think that is one of the key differences with PBL. And I think, you know, I understand there's going to be some questions, like you said, Dialio, when it comes to uh, how do we test for that? You know, how do you score, like, the interpretation of of solving a problem uh, when it comes to a project? Um, That's a a great question. But uh, I think whatever the answer is, it has to be better than, than what we're currently doing. Yeah. And to your point, I really, I really think that's the crux of why a lot of learners feel that they are failed by our current education system. So with learning classifications that they receive, I, I, they're given in good heart in, in, in most cases, right? They want to make sure that learners get all of the, the support that they need to, to to win at the school level. But those accommodations are in a lot of times or at a lot of times are not realistic to the real world. So, you know, some students, they get more time to complete a test. When you have a particular activity that you need to complete, there are times where you may not get more time. And creating that expectation and creating that that want or need of that type of accommodation is unrealistic in the real world. And so the other element of that is when you put a learning classification on a on a on a student, on a learner, you really are are are, are diminishing their self-esteem and their self-worth. If you're saying I'm different from the norm and I'm actually lower because my score is lower, then from a motivation standpoint, over a period of time, why do I want to continue in this activity if I'm constantly being diminished? I know I can't do it. I know I'm not going to compete or compare to this person or this group. Why should I be here? And why should I give my best? because I'm going to fail anyway. I'm going to look bad anyway. I'm stupid. I'm blah, 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 blah. So what PBL does, it, it allows, as, as David says, as you said, to, for everyone to come with their strengths and weaknesses. 
So just because you got an A in reading and you're a proficient reader, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're good with working with your hands and you can actually get this project done in the time that it's, it's needed to. I can, but I'm not a proficient reader. So it allows us to work together and utilize my strengths to support your weaknesses and vice versa to come out with a great tangible outcome that supports a great learning experience for both of us where we both feel good. And feeling good and being good and developing the, the disciplines around those things are what we need to do and what our learners deserve. They deserve that from us. They don't deserve to be classified and, and, and diminished. So, you know, that's, that's my point there. No, I would totally agree because that's, that's a lot more like real life, right? Like real life isn't, I have to, I, you, you can't run one organization by yourself. Um, you know, that's the first thing they teach you. You expand your reach by being able to um, associate yourself with people that add value, right? That can do things that you can't do and do them better than you can. David is a much better marketer than I could ever be. <laughs> um, you know, so those skills <laughs> that we need to put together to, ma to make things happen are, are, are critical. And, and that's what we don't teach kids in school. So just because, like you said, Justice, they, they put all the eggs in one basket and say, okay, you're not good at this, therefore you're dumb. No, we still need you. We, we yeah. need you to do the thing that you're good at, right? Um, so we have to bring you to the table so that you can do that and we can work together and solve the problem. And I think that's what, you know, project-based learning allows students to do. It, it allows them to um, really set the bar against themselves. So they're not, you know, um, judged based on, you know, what everyone else in the world does. They're judged on their own goals and how well they achieve those and how well they reach what they're trying to achieve for themselves. And I think that is much more powerful for students. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and Diario, you're much better with numbers than I could ever be. So <laughs> it's a horses for courses. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think we've done a pretty, pretty good job there of exploring what PBL is, uh, why we certainly think it's the solution uh, to the current education, you know, situation that is going on here in the UK, uh, in the US. And uh, yeah, I, it's uh it, it's definitely a deep question which can be um which can be talked about uh in, in great detail um so for anyone listening to this who wants to find out more about what we do here at 24 7 um there's sort of there's two main areas that you can take a look at right now um 24 7 uh, will give you all the insight into what we are looking to do as an organization and why we believe that the current education system is broken and how we are proposing to fix it. And, and PBL is pretty much at the heart of, of, that, of that solution. Um, secondly, we do have uh, over on the 24-7 Teach uh, website, over on the blog, we do have... Uh, a blog post, The World According to 24-7 Teach. So go ahead and check that out as well. Uh, and finally, if you want to maybe get a little bit hands-on into how you could use project-based learning for you or your learner, um, head over to 247learningcenter.org. Uh, again, depending on which platform you're currently listening to this, all of the links will be in the description. You'll be able to click and uh, find out more. Um, 
guys, I think that's everything for this this episode. Thank you so much for for joining and, and Dialio. Thank you for being a guest this week uh, and sharing your insights. It's been really appreciated. Awesome. This is great. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, guys, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you.